Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Thank you. such anticipation. I am going to talk about the song briefly in a little bit, but there's something that is coming up for me that I wanted to start with, and that is a personal story about my journey to this thing called experience. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Something compelled me yesterday. I was, I was here yesterday. Um, I had a full day workshop, an online virtual workshop that lasted from 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. yesterday. And so I was in my office. I was on my computer. I was having the experience of it. And something compelled me to go back and look at my calendar for the year 2011. What? Just something in me said, go look at June 2011. So I went back and I looked at it. And lo and behold, June 19th in 2011 landed on a Sunday. In 2011, I was living in Tucson. I know I wasn't living in Tucson. What am I talking about? I was living in Los Angeles. But I had traveled back to Tucson that weekend for a, an annual party that my sister and her husband used to uh, throw every year called the Pre-Monsoonal. Remember that, Aiden? <laughs> Aiden, my nephew. Um, so I had come back for this pre-monsoonal party. It was on Saturday night, the 18th, and it was a party. And I had decided that I wanted to go to church on Sunday morning. And so you know where I found myself? I found myself in this room on June 19th, 2011. It was the first time that I had ever come to Unity of Tucson. Now, the other thing that was happening in my life at that time is I was at the tail end of my ministerial training. And I was looking forward to what they call your intensive week. In the training, when you get licensed as a minister, they have the intensive week where you go for a week of workshops and you're in it 12 hours a day with lots of ordained ministers telling you all the things that they think you should know about ministry. And I think to myself, why didn't I learn this all in the last six years? Why are you telling me in one week? But part of that experience then also is to, become, is to sit for your panel. You know, you get grilled by ordained ministers, um, basically assessing your consciousness of ministry. And they either say, yes, you are going to be able to move forth and become a minister, or there's more work to be done. So I was looking forward to that in July, but I came here on that Sunday, June 19th, and I came and I experienced the service with uh, Reverend Larry was here. And then after the service, I went and I walked the labyrinth. And because I was anticipating what my ministry might be, I had a vision and I thought, this is the kind of ministry that I could have. <laughs> 10 years ago, without 
the idea that this could actually be the ministry that I have. So what ended up happening is I passed my panels and I went to Toronto because that was the letter of call that I received. I went to Toronto, Ontario. I was there for almost six years and then things shifted and changed and I came back to Tucson, started a new work and then here I am. But how interesting that this is the celebration, I'm gonna celebrate it, 10 years ago yesterday, the 19th, that I had a vision of ministry right in that labyrinth. Rooted in my ministry, I carry this with me. This is my vision for ministry, my personal vision for ministry, that what I am here to do is to lead us each into understanding and experiencing the divinity or the God essence, that life force within each and every one of us that is at the core. I'm here to understand and experience the divinity at the core of all people and inspire everyone to recognize this and live this for themselves. That's what I choose to do. That's why I've chosen to be a minister. And it is a choice. It is a choice, and I'm deeply grateful for this. At the core of this is this idea. I want us, each and every one of us, to awaken more to the understanding that all expressions of the divine are valued and valuable. Why do I say this? I say this because it's very easy for us to step into judgments. It's very easy for, for us to step into looking at the magnificent faces of those all around us and say something is not quite right. I've done it. I've done it. But it is not a necessity. And if I truly am going to walk my talk, then I must step away from ever being in judgment of other people. There is room for all of us. There is room for all of us to be our unique selves. A guiding principle for me in this ministry thing actually comes from the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson. He wrote this, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. This is one of my favorite quotes. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. So I'm gonna acknowledge something here today. Um, I walk a tightrope of talking too much about myself and not enough about myself and my personal stories when I am trying to give a Sunday lesson. Today it's gonna be a little bit more about me because I think that the story that I have to tell about my path can be acknowledged as relevant in terms of the feelings that come up from it and the way that we might see similarities in our own lives to our own individualized paths. And so this quote, to be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. And this resonates with me because I have lived in a ministry life for the last 10 years of people trying to make me a particular kind of minister. And I am not a particular kind of minister. 
In fact, I am a peculiar kind of minister. <laughs> but I think we should all look to ourselves and say, what is it within ourselves that we, are, that, that, we, that we find ourselves rejecting because of what other people are telling us we should reject? What is that which is within that we are saying, oh, it is not good enough because other people are not telling me it's good enough? We need to let that go. We need to let that go. Because what that ultimately does is it lands us in this place of self-perception that we do not have value in this world. When we start to believe what other people think about us, we, start, we may start to believe that we do not have value in this world. It's why I don't read comments to posts, typically, on social media. Because ultimately, if I'm going to be authentic and true to myself, if we are going to be authentic and true to ourselves, we must be willing to be ourselves. But it is also then, it, it, it requires each and every one of us then also to look at the judgments we place upon others. Because here's the thing, if we, do want, if we want to live outside of the judgments of others, then we must eliminate the judgments we have of others. For there is room for it all. The magnificent thing about God is that it is infinite. And so there is room for all of it, all expression. But when we land ourselves in a perception that one particular way is a way of rightness or appropriateness, then we are doing ourselves and everyone in our lives a disservice. So I'm a peculiar kind of minister. I am atypical in so many ways. And you know what? I think that's what drew me to being in the New Thought movement, first and foremost. It's because that's what New Thought people were doing in the development of this philosophy. They were saying, I see all of this, but there's something more to be known. There's something more to be understood. And so there was... A, you know what, I'm going to use the word, a rebellion. There was a conscious rebellion against the status quo, and from that sprang forth the New Thought movement and the various parts of New Thought, divine science, unity, religious science. And you don't need to adhere to any of the constructs of any one of those perceived paths to be a New Thought practitioner. All that is required to be a New Thought practitioner is to remember who you are. You are love. So I think moving into a new thought paradigm was, well, is easy for me because I was not brought up in a particular religion. Some people come to new thought because they're trying to escape the religion they knew. I didn't have any of that. I, didn't, I was not brought up in religion, so it actually surprised a lot of people when I said, I'm gonna be a minister. What, you? <laughs> yes, yes me. And it is no mistake that there is a book written by Charles Braden a very, uh, a very considerable tome that is the history of New Thought. It is called Spirits in Rebellion. For each and every one of us, by being part of this community, we are rebels to what many would consider the status quo. And we are either living in the progression 
of our conscious place in this world, or we are living in regression because there is no such thing as stagnation in God. Now, regression sometimes feels like stagnation, but I think it is up to each and every one of us to say, I am going to step into progress. I'm going to live in the progression of the evolution of my infinite soul. This is how I have come to understand spiritual evolution, which is what I stand for. I say every single week that we are here to push forth our own spiritual evolution. And what that evolution requires for each and every one of us is that we value and express uniquely. You are of value. Not because of anything you do, but just because you are. You exist. I say, I've been saying this all month because this month the theme is worthy. Worthy. You are of value. You have worth in this world. Celebrate it. Absolutely celebrate it. You know, the, the, the path into new thought was appealing to me, I think because it said that very thing. I was hearing this message, you be you. And I'm here to tell you that message, you be you. I get very excited <laughs> by telling people, you get to be you, isn't that wonderful? We are the masters, though oftentimes of devaluing our own uniqueness. I'll tell you, I mastered that for a very long time. I devalued my own uniqueness, but we are expressions of God that are here to be celebrated. Now, in all of this, because I am a peculiar kind of minister, <laughs> I am met with levels of criticism, right? They come to me. And here's the thing, I could look at that criticism and I could say, oh, I can let that adversely affect me. Or not. To what degree do you take on criticisms and let them adversely affect you? How much do you believe what other people are saying about you? Here's some of my peculiarities as a minister. I wear jeans. <laughs> and you know what? There are people who don't like it, and I know that. But I'm here to be me, and I'm here to express uniquely as me. And we should all be expressing uniquely as us. There are other people who, you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't know if you've noticed that for two weeks in a row, I have not worn a coat. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's not that I have an adversity to wearing a coat but I don't feel like that's me. And if I'm going to be of value to you as a minister, then I must be my unique expression of self and be a way shower of that. In the same way that we should all be way showers of our uniqueness to this world. It is not a sign of disrespect that I don't wear slacks and a coat. I really feel that I'm a better minister when I am comfortable up here. And this is how I am comfortable. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We want to be loved just for who we are. 
And we should, as I said before, we should celebrate all expressions of God and the way they choose to show up in this world as this world. In Luke, there is a parable that seems appropriate to the day, and that is the parable of the prodigal son. You all know that, do I need to tell you the story of the prodigal son? The story of the prodigal son, very quickly, is a man had two sons. The younger son took his inheritance and went off, and he squandered his inheritance. And when he came back, saying, I must now be uh, enslaved to you, my father, uh, the uh, father said, no, I accept you just as you are. Acceptance is divine. Criticism is maybe not so divine. Acceptance is divine. If we can experience every single person in our life and say, I accept you just as you are, what a different world we would live in, don't you think? We celebrate our unique expression, or do we? Do we celebrate our unique expression only when it is convenient? Or when we know other people are going to agree with us? Or are we willing to step out and say, this is who I am, this is me, at all times, irrespective of what we think other people are going to say? Now, I'm not saying this is easy. It's a simple idea. It's not always easy, just like so much in New Thought is simple, but not always easy because we do live in community and we do hear those things around us. We ultimately end up subconsciously also creating expected versions of ourselves. What is it they expect of me? I must conform to that. And here's the thing, when those expected versions of self do not live up to the version of you that is true, what ends up happening is we end up being the criticizers. We end up being the ones who judge because we're in that place of discomfort. In the musical Cabaret and in the source material upon which that musical is based, a story called I Am a Camera by Christopher Isherwood, There's a character named Sally Bowles. Sally Bowles was someone who absolutely lives according to their own unique expression. And this is introduced very early on in the musical when Sally says to Cliff, her love interest, if I should paint my fingernails green, and it just so happens I do paint them green, well, if if anyone should ask me why, I tell them, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty, I reply. This is someone who stands up and says, yes, this is who I choose to be. This is how I choose to express. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Fear is the thing that keeps us from the fullness of our authentic expression. Fear is the only thing that keeps us from this. We are always walking that tightrope, the tightrope of the fullness and the fear of expression. Here's what I carry with me to address that fear. And I invite you to take this on for yourself. 
the version of me that you have created in your mind is not my responsibility. And conversely, the version of you that I have created in my mind is not your responsibility. It's important to remember that it goes both ways. But today is all about stepping up, stepping forth, and saying, I get to be me. The hardest part of love is letting go of all those ideas that we continue to grasp onto. Oh, right? Letting go of judgment, letting go of the fear, letting go of the need to be right. There is room for all expression. There is room for all experience. There is room for all unlimited universal uniqueness. And so my call to you today is for you to be you, the capital U. If you get the email, it said you be you, the letter U, unique, universal, unlimited. Find something within you. Find that place within you that says, yes, I am unlimited. I am unique. I am unabashed, and I will live my life from the point of view of joy and love. That's what I'm here to do. I am here to be you. You be you. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. All right, so here's the homework. You ready for this? I want you to find something within you that you have been afraid to express. And I want you this week, in some manner, to express it purposefully. Are you scared? You don't need to be. Just say yes. Invite yourself to just say yes. Find that, find something. It doesn't have to be life-shattering. Just find something that you are going to step forth and say yes to, to express it and express it purposefully. That's the homework this week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.